Okay. Um. <laughs> okay. I saw a really funny story in the New York Times right before we started recording. Uh, the New York Times is doing comedy now. They're doing more so than usual. <laughs> But with that clown show over there, you think they got to it early? <laughs> I know, right? Headline is U.S. military aid to Ukraine was poorly tracked. Pentagon report concludes the Defense Department's Inspector General found that American defense officials and diplomats in Washington and Europe had failed to quickly or fully account for all of nearly forty thousand weapons sent to Ukraine. Uh, this is the first paragraph. More than $1 billion worth of shoulder-fired missiles, kamikaze drones, and night division devices that the U.S. has sent to Ukraine have not been properly tracked by American officials, a new Pentagon report concludes. Raising concerns they could be stolen or smuggled at a time, Congress is debating whether to send more military aid to Kiev. Well, boys, I got to say, this looks like a... This looks like a uh... It's like a job for the Tardy Boys, man. To find, <laughs> to find, to find those, to find those secret weapons, man. Those We're going to be deployed to the Crimea to, for, <laughs> mostly for accountability purposes. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's a lot of weapons, right? That's one billion dollars worth. At uh, forty thousand weapons, like there's a reasonable chance that you could wind up with one, like in your home. Just like what a come up, you know. Too, you know yeah. how like in British pubs they keep like a shotgun or a gun or a rifle over the bar. It's yeah. like you're gonna walk into like your local pub in like downtown <laughs> Chicago and they're gonna have like a thermobaric, like rock. a javelin rocket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like one of those over the shoulder <laughs> rocket launchers. <laughs> Yo, what was uh, man? I don't remember. I know I mentioned it before on the show, but I don't remember what conflict it was. But uh. Ah, oh, man, dude, it doesn't make sense that I bring it up. But I just don't remember what conflict it was, man. But I saw that that guns that were supposed to show up in Ukraine had instead shown up in some other part of the world, some other conflict, some other proxy war yeah, that we were Rand fighting. Paul, Rand Paul with his neighbor. Rand Paul <laughs> and his neighbor <laughs> are shooting Ukrainian... <laughs> Is Steve Scalise get his dick shot off retroactively though? Like the, the weapons have gone back in time to assassinate uh, other elected <laughs> officials on some Terminator shit. I saw a video, one of those Al Qassam videos, yesterday, of a, a Palestinian fighter locating three Israeli snipers. Oh man, it was beautiful. They were um. These Israeli snipers were like in a window and they were all in a window together. They were all three in a window together <laughs> and they were they were knocking out a hole in the wall to like stick their rifle through. Dude, this this Palestinian fighter walks up, I shit you not, wearing slider sandals, sweatpants, and like a Nike t shirt. He had on the Yeezy slides. <laughs> my man, my man had on the official uniform of the dudes that hold their girlfriend around the waist at the cash register. <laughs> had, the, had the official uniform of the only dude who orders like gas station hot dogs. Yo. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like he's got a Monster Energy drink and a, and a pack of Reds in his hand. You know what I mean? <laughs> Exactly, that a Gatorade or some shit. It's it like smells like Aquadigio put too much on, you know. <laughs> it's like I don't know how many you like see these IDF soldiers and they've got like these massive helmets on with like thirty different gadgets on them and like they're they're fucking bulked up like to the fucking max, you know, with like 
various vests and like, yeah, like, like they got all they got on all of this fucking shit, which is like you know, are you gonna fight with that shit? Or are you gonna die with it? Like, yeah. which one? And you, and you get domed by a guy named Lonnie. <laughs> <laughs> like I saw a headline in the New York Times that was like, it was incredible. It was like. It was like deadliest day for IDF forces. Nine IDF soldiers killed, highlighting the cost of the war. It's like, yeah. you motherfuckers. It's like, I don't know, man. It's like you, you never saw a single headline like that about, like, during the most intense phases of the bombing campaign in November and December. Like, you never saw a single headline like that, that, like, deadliest day for Gaza, like, 2,000 people killed, nothing like that. But, like, nine IDF soldiers fucking get their legs blown off and it's like suddenly a fucking international crisis well dude you see it you see it all the time it's sort of like i'm thinking about that quote that biden had when he said that october 7th was like 15 9-11s you know what i mean like you, you get this you get this weird like propagandistic arithmetic where it's like how many Palestinian lives equal one, not even Israeli life, one I one IDF soldier's life. You know what I mean? Like so like like I mean all of these people who we're seeing now who are being killed <laughs> when they're looking the other way. You yeah. know what I mean? Getting their tops blown off. And it's like I mean, dude, I don't know, man. I would say that like what IDF soldiers like equals like like half maybe like you know what i mean like a quarter maybe you know what i mean of, of uh, al boss fighter yo because well uh, you know the, the other thing too is nobody gives a shit about 9-11 anymore yeah. like right. it's not like a political football really anymore right. ever since like we sold the pga tour to the saudis you know <laughs> right like the P, the guy the director of the pga tour was hand ringing about 9-11 when the saudis made an offer like in 2021 and it was no, I lost family in nine eleven. This would never do that. Well, they they came back with a grip, and he's like, eh, "Well, you know, it's nuanced." <laughs> <laughs> the U.S. U.S. Army doing the same thing here, you know, or Joe Biden doing the same thing here with this is like four nine eleven. It's like okay, but uh, sure, in terms of just like you know raw numbers or whatever. But like, it's just kind of weird to be hand wringing about that, and then talking about that incident as like tantamount to you know yeah yeah yeah. well i mean i mean even too i mean i think like if you're gonna call it like equate it to 9-11 just some of the propaganda that we've been seeing i mean i know there was propaganda after 9-11 in america but i'm just trying to think of like i don't know i'm trying to think of something that's even comparable to like i mean i guess you did have people like bill maher on late night shows that were uh, like had these incredibly Islamophobic screeds, you know, but like, I don't know. I feel like if you were to call something nine 11, it wouldn't be taken with so much levity or glee. I guess you can say, you know what I mean? Like with yeah. Voldemort memes and shit like that. Like it just feels weird, you know, yeah. like there's this weird disjuncture, you know? Well, I mean, it's, you know, several different things. It's like, I mean, I don't know. I've been thinking about this, like, because a theme that we've been really harping on lately for the past several months and, and something that, like, I was getting at on the Patreon episode on Monday, which is which was about the resurgence of, like, myths and mythologies. Mm. And, like, what what is going on there, right? Like, why why do we have this? I do feel genuinely like this would have been inconceivable 40 years ago. Like, I, I can't really... 
imagine, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I just can't really imagine going back to like someone in the 60s during the Vietnam War and being like, uh, like who were pop culture figures in like the 60s? Like, uh, uh, like, like cartoon figures like Mickey Mouse, I guess. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, could you? Steamboat Willie. <laughs> Steamboat Willie. <laughs> could you imagine uh, Steamboat? Jim, Jim Crow and the Siamese cats. <laughs> The Tom and Jerry baby, like who are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, just like, just just like in the, it'd be like if in the sixties, yeah. It's just like when you support J- Hanoi Jane and the Viet Cong, you're flipping <laughs> off Steamboat Willie. It's just like that. Yeah, that's a, that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, you're spitting right in his face. You're spitting right in his face. It's like I guess my point there, not to belabor the point, but like. You have seen in the last five years, I guess, the reemergence of something that would have been inconceivable to like secular rationalist Western society, which is the ascribing of like superhuman characteristics to fictional or ostensibly fictional characters, Ubermenschen or whatever. That like you can displace both your paranoids and fears off uh, onto, but also like use them to act as a surrogate for your own cowardice. But like it's almost kind of like a golem in a way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. But but you know what it is though. I'm thinking about because technically we did have like Uncle Sam. Like I want you like true. You know, like World War Two propaganda. That's true. But this was propaganda that felt like 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 homegrown Americana. It wasn't leasing like characters from <laughs> IPs. It was like previously established IPs. You know what I mean? Like loading Harry Potter. I mean it's the same fucking way that every time they do an Avengers movie, the fucking Department of Defense is there to give them weapons and tanks and helicopters and shit. It's like this weird like like symbiotic relationship <laughs> between like mythologizing characters that are not even modern day myths. They're just created to sell toys and books and shit like that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're also, merch, basically. Yeah. <laughs> basically merch. But then also the military industrial complex and the miracle, the American Imperial Project. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I've just yes. been thinking about this because, like, in the wake of 9 11, I really think that over the next several years, we're probably going to see a mass purging of the higher education institutions of far left academics. I think it's just... You mean they're going to trot them out yeah, the campus? You mean, you mean Claudine Gay was just the tip of the iceberg? <laughs> <laughs> You're making me think they're going to trot them, them out to the quad or some shit like that and start like, doing mass executions and professors will, and shit like that. We like, will have a cultural revolution in this country <laughs> like 1960s China, but it will be in reverse. It'll be like the conservatives leading it. Well, I just saw this news headline, and it's one of those things I didn't click on, so this is not going to get very deep. But it was like, is school necessary anymore? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> yes, like, yeah. You know, for the you know for the past like like I mean forever, time immemorial, you've been like, kids stay in school. Now, twenty twenty four is the year. You're like, eh, no second thought. That's if the funny. Saudis said American kids don't need education anymore, like tomorrow we would all just be a bunch of slack jawed idiots from coast to coast. <laughs> that would be that would be an interesting development. We would all really go to uh, Wahhabist madrasas if uh, the Saudis gave us enough cash. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the thing I read this 
uh, article in the New York Times about how, you know, like there's a new impending government shutdown, much like the old impending government shutdown. Isn't there a government shutdown every year? Yeah. At this point, yeah. yeah, Every six months. Multiple times a year. Yeah. And uh, the headline is, conservatives revolt a new... Oh, conservatives revolt anew over Johnson deal to avert shutdown. So, <laughs> who, who, John, who, who, like the Speaker Johnson? Yeah, Mike Johnson. Okay, Mike Jones. Mike Jones. Mike Johnson. Mike Jones. He's too ungoogleable, man. Yeah, <laughs> they That's, needed Stevie Scalise in there. Yeah, man. they really do. What What's funny about this is that. Uh, I'll just read here. The agreement announced over the weekend by Mr. Johnson and Senator Chuck Schumer essentially hews to the bargain that President Biden struck with Mr. McCarthy last year to suspend the debt ceiling. Oh, my God. (laughs) The hard right. He's been dealing with Mr. McCarthy for a long time, hasn't he? I love it. He couldn't get a better deal at all. So he took the exact same deal that they gave to McCarthy, which got McCarthy ousted. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, like, they put Mike Johnson in there, like, oh, this is a hard-right Christian nationalist. Like, he'll be able to get a, get us what we want. Listen, man, listen. Nobody can get you what you want like you're, like a guy who's his son's uh, jack-off accountability partner. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a man of action. That's a man with a plan. <laughs> listen, if you want someone to run the government, get a guy who's going to peek into his son's room at night to figure out whether or not he's beating his meat. Yeah, yeah, he's checking his son's browser cache. You, know. like, yeah, you see the door crack open at night, son? Hey, you awake? <laughs> Wait, what? Browsers, what's... <laughs> Dude, back in the day, like, you know, um, I say back in the day, the mid-aughts, like... Obviously, I'm I'm old now, right? But if you like, you wanted to jerk off, like it wasn't just as easy as like having it on your phone. You had to, either had to have a porno mag, or you did what I did, which was occasionally print off nude photos. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> when you staple them together like your old magazine, you made old hustlers and shit. Did you used to make your own your own porn zines? <laughs> you would just get on the hunt and download all the little thumbnails and just make your own little porn zine. And like, it enterprising t- young man. Hell it, yeah! It took up so much of the color printer ink cartridge that the paper would be like it would weigh like five pounds. It'd be so wet. <laughs> <laughs> just be like you dipped it in sink water. You gotta hang them shits up to dry outside. Yeah, I did that like twice before I had to stop because like printer each. Color printer ink cartridges are expensive as fuck. My dad was wondering why he has to buy printer ink every other week. Well, he figured it out eventually because one time he found... I, I don't know why I fucking did this. I, you know, to this day cringe to think about it, but I left one of those pages in the bathroom. And, like, my dad found it. And he just quietly, like, put it back in my room. Like, you know what I mean? Like, didn't, <laughs> didn't say. Like, put it, put it where you can just see that a, shit. Just a, I know, buddy. I, I know. know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, that's that's what a a reasonable, that's what a, a good dad would do. Just, like, don't acknowledge it. Just, like, here's your jack-off material back. Let's never talk about this again. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> holding it, Betty, you, you your hold it with his little finger. Just sits it grossed out on your bed. You're in your room. He slides that shit under the door, <laughs> like, like slowly. Oh no! <laughs> and all, you, you, you just like go. He's like, Dad, Dad. And he just holds his hand up, not wanting to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. 
the the weird thing to do would be to talk to your son about how much he does or does not jack off. What's even weirder is that that we, we would then give that guy the third more, most powerful position in Washington D.C. <laughs> yeah, be two heartbeats away from the president. So. <laughs> you know, you know what? You could say that maybe I'm gonna try to make this make sense. Um, what wh- what's his job technically? What is he like? The overseer of the Congress or some shit like that? Yeah, he's like whipping motherfuckers into shape. The House, you know, he's the Speaker of the House. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I guess you know, I guess that's comparable to, you know what I mean, policing your son's uh, owning <laughs> onanistic <laughs> tendencies. That's true. <laughs> that is true. He's policing our nation's onanistic tendencies. That's what Congress is. You know what would be hilarious if you. Uh, caught your son's uh, jerk off materials in the common areas is if you got one of those like um you know like those um like wine mom pieces you get from like michael's or something like that where it's like got a like a bible quote on it that, but it's like you know this is the day the lord's made rejoice and be glad in it uh-huh. if you got one of those made and put it in your son's room but it just says something <laughs> like uh, it's better to sow your seed in the belly of a whore than on the ground or something like that <laughs> But just you didn't acknowledge it. You just put it up there. <laughs> just like education by osmosis. Like yeah, he'll see that. He'll know what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or even better, that just goes in the family bathroom. Yeah, like, yeah slightly, yeah. slightly menacing and threatening. But you know, yeah. <laughs> at least it's not a face to face. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, um, so in this package, in this bargain package, the. Hard right angrily opposed the measure, uh, Mr. McCarthy's uh, agreement, which passed the House with mostly Democratic votes. It also includes $69 billion in, in spending that was added in a side agreement, um, which conservatives sought to block altogether. Mr. Johnson has argued that the deal is the best Republicans could hope for, given their tiny majority in the House and Democrats' control of the Senate and White House. This is interesting. This part is interesting. This ties it this is why i thought of this just now it ties it back to what we were talking about like 10 minutes ago John, mr johnson has pointed to measures on which republicans insisted to help offset the cost of the package including speeding up 10 billion dollars in cuts to the irs enforcement jesus christ so <laughs> dude okay finally something i can get behind it's like i <laughs> yes so like these people are pieces of shit right like i don't you know however if they're trying to like make it harder to for the IRS to do tax collections, hell yeah, brother! I, I don't. Yeah, hell yeah, man! I support I that. that obstructionism. I support that in the abstract, right? I, like I'm never gonna vote for them, even if they say like we'll do away with the IRS altogether, whatever. Yeah. But like, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about, like with education just a minute ago. Like, I think that they they're so stupid. They're so ideologically captured by their donor base and everything. They are literally going to get, make it harder for the United States government to raise revenue, <laughs> yeah, and like thus introduce even more political contradictions on which the political system sort of founders and you know <laughs> like gets hung up and is unable to adapt to the changing geopolitical situation. Yeah, do do you, do you think something like this though would be like? Like some monkey's paw shit, or shooting themselves in the foot, where it would harm their own political project as well. It might. Or do you think it's something where they could like? Because I feel like a lot of the times, I don't know. I'm just talking on my ass here, but I feel like a lot of the times, like 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 conservatives, like 
they support and pursue these policies that end up working out in their favor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because then they can turn around and point to the fallout of that policy and say, this is why the government shouldn't be in your pocket, right? This is why X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's, it's weird because theoretically the United States doesn't need to raise taxes. Like, it's the, it's the most powerful economy in the world. It, it has the biggest military in the world. Like, just on the on just on those two principles that's when you put it like that for a minute though you made it sound like the united states could just plunder everyone else around the world they citizens don't have to pay tax. <laughs> i was yeah. like oh, yeah gotta, i yeah, mean gotta like it. that's the theory you know the modern monetary theory right it's like it does have a truth to it a grain of truth to it which is that like united states has currency sovereignty it's such a powerful nation that it it doesn't even have to raise taxes it doesn't have to it doesn't even have to like plug its own budget gaps. It can run a deficit forever. It's so powerful that that power alone backs up the currency. And so it can just print money indefinitely yeah. and run around the world and do whatever the fuck it wants. But the conservatives are the ones who are all the time talking about like uh, you know, the budget deficit and and everything else. And so I don't know, you would think that they would be kind of like more on board with I mean this I know that this is this is like 2011, like uh, Tea Party level discourse, but I don't know. I guess my point here is just that, like, if the United States can't raise its own like revenue anywhere from taxes, like, I mean, at a certain point, like, you will start running into problems there, like antagonisms within the political system, uh, just because like no one. In the United States, I don't. I'm not, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel sometimes I feel like no one in the government like fully believes that they can just print money indefinitely. I think yeah. they still. I think I think they still kind of are wedded to the idea that like oh we have to raise taxes somewhat. Like yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean like I don't know, man. I just think about like the fact that when it comes to like sending money to Ukraine, money and weapons that eventually get lost. Apparently, like what we opened up with. I mean, or when it comes to, like, you know, uh, uh, student loans, you know, it's just like, you know what I mean? It's just like the United States. I know this is a moot point, but it's just like the fact that we have money to do these other things. Yet when it comes to, like, the things that actually would better people's lives, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, like you hang Joe Biden upside down. It's just like, you know, uh, lint. You know what I'm saying? The uh-huh. rubber bands coming out of his pocket. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the fu- Flies like, and paperclips. <laughs> exactly. <yo. laughs> well... I've got a way we could shore up this uh, kind of save some money, cut back some money, especially in defenses, and that is um, taking a page out of the playbook of the uh, Haitian Revolution mm. when uh, Toussaint Louverture and the boys took to the hills and just let the French get wiped out by yellow fever because yeah. they were all immune to it. <laughs> yes. I was reading this book, Epidemics in Society, by Frank Snowden, a friend of the show, Steve Slakowski, put me on and I thought... Man, you know what we need to do? We need to utilize germ warfare, but organically. Mm. Don't yield that on anybody. But if it's endemic, use it to the invading hordes. Also, another idea. Animals. We need to conscript big cats, packs of (laughs) wild dogs, sharks. You could do this, and I've pointed this out. Many people have pointed this out. This is a meme at this point. But, like, deploy fentanyl. Like you don't actually have to have fentanyl, but like tell tell the police that it's fentanyl. If you target the police with fake fentanyl and you target the government with fake Havana gun, 
Like yeah. You've already knocked out your two biggest opponents right there. Absolutely, with with, with zero overhead. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and zero real effort on your part. That's exactly right. Except whatever then, it costs to buy pounds of Domino sugar. <laughs> and then you send in the big cats to take down the pit bull demographic. The literal big cats. Yeah, the big cats. Like, like the Panthers and your cougars and your Panthers pumas. and cougars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how tight would it be just to take your political enemies and just dangle them over shark-infested waters? Though? You know what I mean? <laughs> like oh, a James Bond movie. Yeah. That's the trillest shit in the world. <laughs> to me, they, you know, to me, one of the scariest things to imagine is a mountain lion. Because, yeah. like, mountain lions are so fucking tight, man. Like They're sneaky, too. Dude, they, they will hunt your ass for two to three days and just <laughs> play with you, basically. For sport. <laughs> yeah, just for sport. Literally, it, or like a big-ass cat. Yes, <laughs> like, like a big-ass cat big would. Ass cat. Like, your cat would chasing down a bird. They'll do that to you in the wild. So, like, yeah, could you imagine, like, Mike Johnson? He's like... His, eye, his <laughs> eyeglasses are all kind of fucked up. Like, I just want to go back to my house with my son. And he's like jerking off. And he's like, he got, twi- he got twigs in his hair and shit. Yeah, he's wandering through <laughs> the Arizona wilderness. Like, <laughs> so, so you telling me we need to be cougars to these people, and we need to, we need to, we need to hunt them down and stalk them for, for days at a time. <laughs> We're just sitting there like Frank Vincent on Casino, but with a big two big cats on either leash, and he's just on his knees begging for his life. Like Hell Celestia with the two big-ass lions yeah. Yeah. on leashes. So that's it. P- people have been concerned a little bit for us lately, saying we've been getting a little out of hand with the, the threats and the scenarios where we choke people out. This is one where, because those are all parody, too, obviously, because... Obviously. We're all pussies, and we're not going to be doing anything like that. I'm not going to trade lions to take down Mike Johnson, bro. <laughs> I ain't got the time. Enough time in the day. I got three packages I need to take to the post office for last week. I ain't got time to train big cats. Yeah, and I and I, I'm not getting my hand on a Havana gun anytime soon. So <laughs> they, they they put you on the list that they won't sell to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You go to the Walmart sporting goods counter and say, one Havana gun, please. And they're just like, uh, son, you got to pass the mandatory background check. You can't even go to the gun show, secure the gun show loophole. They'll be no, like, nah. be like, no nah. gun, show, gun show loophole for the Havana gun. Yeah. Um. Well, like, you know, I, geez. So, like, kind of like getting it back to the... Uh, the topic at hand, though. <laughs> the um, Today is the first day of the trial in the International Court of Justice against Israel, brought by South Africa. And, yeah, it's, it's interesting that, and this is kind of like, you know, getting on what we were talking about, like, with the United States and, like, its goals and its aims internationally. Um. You know, like there's a few things to like sort of tease out here, but like one of one of them is that like you've got several different things going on. One of which is like the Houthis blockade of the Red Sea, right? Which the American government. I was even listening to an NPR story about this yesterday morning, and and they still refuse to say like why the Houthis are doing this. It's just like still like the Houthis are just doing this because they're bad people and they just like want to stop they commerce. Just, they hate America. Yeah, bad hombres. Death to America. They're by they're bad hombres. <laughs> uh. But like I find it significant that the Houthis, that the Houthis are able to induce 
not quite a COVID-like shock to the world system, but damn near close, right? Like, that's, that's extremely significant on world historic terms. But well, I got to interrupt you right there, and I got to lay out my reasons why that's been possible. Okay. And I know okay. we're going to dig into this pretty thoroughly, but a long time ago, uh, Coach Neon Dion Prime Sanders said, if you look good, you play good, and if you play good, they pay good. Uh-huh. I got to tell you, those, the Houthis are dripping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The little red berets and the, the, with the desert camo. That's pretty tight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they look fly, man. Um, Just say They look fly. They do look fly. I, it, the, the, the interesting thing about this is that, like, the United States has now taken a new line with the Houthis. Um, These guys are too cool, so we can't fuck with them. They're too cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your gas too strong. They'll kill you. Stop it. <laughs> you bitch too bad. <laughs> you bitch too bad. <laughs> they, 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 they have taken a new line, which is perfectly Democrat, like perfectly liberal, man. Like you could not ask for a better distillation of this. The new line they've taken. This is from the Anthony Blinken at the State Department. The attacks by the Houthis are hurting people around the world, especially the poorest and most vulnerable populations, including in Yemen and in Gaza. Like, yo, this is the new line. Oh, my God, dude. That they're actually hurting people in Gaza by stopping the genocide, by actually putting pressure on the international global community. Here's the par- it's the it's called the genocide paradox. It's like if you actually don't let us carry out a genocide, you're actually abetting the genocide. Oh yeah, actually yeah. the genocide. I, I, did nobody just ask him to follow up question like how, <laughs> like how is this possible? Like how, like right. how, Mister Blinken? How yeah, is this possible? Spell it out for us. Explain, explain this. Yeah. <laughs> did you see this cocksucker on the cover of Time magazine? He's the man of the year. Blinken is. Are you genocide serious? Genocide of the year. Yeah. Yeah, Holy hold on a second. Let me fuck. let me show you this. Wait, isn't he juggling? But isn't he like? Isn't he? What is he? He's the Secretary of State, right? Yeah. So I just feel like well, I, I'm sorry. He's not Man of the Year, but there's like the, the cover, oh, the Envoy. God. It says the Envoy, and the subtitle is Secretary of State Anthony Blinken in the Test of American Leadership. Yo, the Times really does like. Well, that's the Time Time Magazine, but it just seems like all these institutions they love to celebrate mediocrity, man. You know. Dude, I guess it's act- not mediocrity. I guess it's Blinken doing exactly what his role is. You know, it's weird. I actually, there was something published in Time today that that was fascinating, though. Um, weirdly enough, it was from this is in Time Magazine. Bruno, I don't know how to say his last name. I'm in ignorant. Mars. I think it's Mars. The way you say it, Bruno Mars. <laughs> Ma. It's French. You don't say the S. It's Mars. Uh, yeah. What What is a Bruno Mars song? Twenty four karat gold magic in the air tonight, or something. Yo, like whoa, whoa. Are wrong. Um, Bruno Bruno uh, Machias. I don't know how to again. I don't know how to say his last name. He's Portuguese. He was the Portugal. He was the Portuguese Secretary of State for European Affairs and is currently a consultant at Flint Global. Um, this is a fascinating article. I I think it kind of hits it spot on. It's called Gaza and the End of Western Fantasy, and. Basically, he, like the point he's trying to make <clears throat> is that 
the United States government has now dropped all pretense to even hypocrisy anymore. That they're not they're not even concerned with fixing the problem. We've transcended hypocrisy. That we've transcended even hypocrisy. Yeah. That like <laughs> Damn. that like it, he points out that like James Baker who was I think Secretary of State under Reagan and yeah. and was part of the reason that Reagan called Menachem Begin during in the early 80s during like Sabra and Shatila and was like, you know, knock it off or whatever. Um like he, I, I think his point is that the United States used to aspire to this like grand global vision of order and that that's not that's not even what they're trying to do anymore. The United there's States. No, there's not even an appearance that they're trying to do that. Forget even trying to do it, but looking like they're trying to do it. Exactly. Uh, you know, and, and basically what they're now doing is that they've, they have retreated to this position of like private domain that like the world is no longer ordered by, you know, treaties, pacts, like uh, various like dip- diplomatic efforts that the world is now ordered basically according to like what the United States demands and that it should have free reign to do whatever it wants, including its proxy, like Israel. Mm. Uh, and it's interesting that, like, because, like, I read this today, and, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the, the court, uh, the, the trial against Israel um, of genocide, you know, the charge of genocide against Israel by South Africa, and at first I was like, well, you know, this is like an international court of law. Like, it's not going to mean anything anyways. Like, it never yeah. fucking means anything. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, this isn't really, bi- it's not a binding thing. Also, who is the, who's the one, what countries are the ones that set up? It's usually the countries are the ones that commit and facilitate genocide. Right. You know what I mean? That are the ones setting up this international court. Of course, they're not going to hold themselves accountable. Exactly. Know? Yeah. And, and. You know, and, and like furthermore, like there's not there's no way to actually enforce any decision that comes out of this, anyways, right? Yeah. It does look bad, obviously, for Israel and for the United States. Um, but like, obviously, I was like feeling pretty like doomer about that and like pretty pessimistic about it. But like, the more I thought about it, man, I do think it's extremely significant in the sense that like it does basically press the united states on its commitments and i think that even if it doesn't have any mechanism of enforcement even if there aren't any like actual consequences that can come out of it like materially anyways in terms of like halting israel's actions in gaza i do think that it is a very i i i I actually would say that it's like courageous in a way it's sort of the attendant action to the houthis action right like you've got like the direct action of like what the houthis are yeah. doing but then, and got, then you got you got working behind the scenes within the halls of power right, right. Yeah. yeah and i think that like you know there's just been a lot of talk about like you know multipolarity like a chain realignment of like the global world order and all this other mm-hmm. stuff but i do think that there is something to be said there because if the if south Af- if a country like south africa can bring a charge against israel like this and like have to press the united states to have to answer for it then i think that that does open up all kinds of possibilities for like what a new global order would look like well um, let me ask you a question how is this connected to BRICS? 
you know, South Africa being the S in BRICS. Right. Are they making a challenge, you think, to U.S. hegemony to try to order the world around, was it Brazil, Russia, China, India, India South Africa? South Africa, yeah. And yeah, then a couple of associate partners that didn't make the, you know, the masthead, but... Mm-hmm. It's hard to say because, like, BRICS is not really, like, a formal thing. Like, China and India, for example, like, fucking hate each other. Like they Right, have... so it's more like a trading thing than, like, actually our values are aligned and we're... Yeah, you know, and, and I, I don't know if, like, South Africa is trying to get any material advantage out of this, like, economic advantage out of it. Or to I position th- itself as, as, um, as uh, uh, I guess as parallel or as an alternative to the United States and to, you know, the EU and, you know. I think that, like, well, several things is going on. Like, I think that, I think that COVID, like we mentioned on the Patreon episode a few days ago, COVID introduced this kind of new global consciousness Mm -hmm. to the, to everybody in the sense that it, for the very first time in a really long time, sort of, showed the world that there needed to be some sort of cooperation or coordination on issues like public health, for example, and that has implications for climate change. Um, But I think that like a large part of the world is probably looking at this situation and saying like, okay, the United States isn't interested in, in order, right? The the United States is solely interested in what it can get out of various regions Mm. so it's not it's like the united states isn't even aspiring to any kind of like loftier ideological plans like just a fake friend they're just well yeah a fake friend but (laughs) i don't know how to put i don't know how to put it let me let me put it this way in the in the 1960s the reason kennedy got his fucking head his dome blown off was because he was trying to create a global order that said like look we're not going to be able to defeat communism we might as well coexist with them kennedy was the coexist bumper sticker right (laughs) which which meant that the united states was interested in a material reordering of the world but also an ideological one and you still had the vestiges of that up into the 80s and 90s but obviously that started to come completely unraveled. And in, and in many ways, that's why October 7th is very similar to 9-11. Because 9-11 was the death knell of that, right? Like Also why your hope has gradually waned and why this new world absolutely fucking sucks. And, and But we still had hope as a... Yeah. You know what I mean? When we yeah. were kids growing up, we still... And part of that is just being kids, you know? Yeah. But you you could just notice like just on like a line graph way how much hope it just hope has gone down morale is low and has been declining for years like coal jobs you know (laughs) well it just seems like that like that is an opener to the 21st century it seems like that i don't know it was sort of an indication of things were going to be headed you know what i mean and it sort of cemented i guess um what had come 30 40 years before like there was no alternative you know Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Terrence, you were talking about too. I was thinking about the uh, the the ICC and you know these international courts and tribunals and whatnot. And essentially, what they are for the Western world are like 
self-reporting report cards. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're self-assessments is what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I mean, I guess, nah, because if I got like, if I got like a D or an F in a class, like my mom could exercise power to make sure that I got an A the next time around. Right. But like, I don't know, like this report, this report card, because I have an example, it's sort of like, I mean, the Houthis in South Africa from two different angles are sort of like, I mean, they're sort of like checking the United States, right? They're sort yeah. of like checking off the report card and they're saying, like, have you done all these things? And I mean, it's not that these countries or the Houthis or the, the, the Houthis or South Africa can invade Israel or the United States to hold them accountable, but it is some sort of self, it does invite, I think, some sort of if not self-critique, then you're right, an international sort of critique, you know, that hopefully, I mean, I don't know, this is like being um, speculative, but hopefully we, the inklings of a reshifting of, a, you know, of the world order, you know what I'm saying? Something like a sort of block that opposes the United States, you know what I mean? Well, that, I think that the, I think that's a good point, because what what I find very interesting about this is that, you know, the the United States almost seems to have adopted a position that anyone else in the world doesn't even have. Not only do they not really have sovereignty in the, in the, you know, the best example of that is invading Iraq, right? Like mm-hmm. we just fucking invaded a, another country. And then not only that, but literally set up a provisional government. And that was obviously insane, but no one could check us on it because we were at the sort of height at our power. Mm-hmm. But like it, it's, it, it's sort of, readily apparent now that the implications of that are that the United States doesn't even see anyone else in the world as like global citizens really so it's like they can't even conceive why Yemen and South Africa would be doing these things like yes the Houthis are doing this partially because of their commitment to the Palestinian cause right Mm. they're also doing it partially because of their experience in the Yemen civil war and their experiences with Saudi Arabia and with these attempted reorderings of the Middle East. (laughs) I don't know. I really don't think that they see at this point any, any challenges to them as legitimate, obviously like Israel doesn't like, even if you fucking, you know, it like just, it's just fascinating to see the way that like supporters of Israel become like these preening, like cloying like whiners like the minute you point anything out about the fact that they've obviously just been bombing entire you know neighborhoods and and killing people like on mass uh like i saw this tweet jews are on trial again for wanting to exist blood libels are rampant anti-semites are up in arms about the talmud is it 2024 or twelve twenty four? We should call today's hearing at the International Court of Justice the disputation of the Hague. Dude, can can I can I just say it outright? Like, I mean, yo, nothing justifies twenty thousand people plus dead. Like, I just, I mean, that's like that's the thing that just keeps blowing my mind, right? Because like, dude, like I was, I was watching CNN last night, right? I made the mistake of like coming down the stairs and tuning in when my mom was watching it, and. They had a report about um, developing news about uh, Israel bombing um, a hospital or outside of a hospital again. Like, I'm not even sure. And like, you know, actually covering it, you know, like in a way that surprised me for CNN. Yeah. And then and then, dude, I'm not saying this is not the case. This is not what I'm saying. But just the logic. Right. They have that segment. 
And then immediately Wolf Blitzer says, and according to the uh, to the uh, a uh, to the uh, to the uh, Anti Defamation League, uh, there's been a, re- uh, a rocket number, record number of uh, anti-Semitic attacks. Which, dude, we know this over the past couple of years, right? But you understand what I'm saying, though. It's just like you would. It's like you would put you would position that one story about Palestinians being brutalized, right? Yeah. By the Zionist state, and then have a follow up story. With the same sort of fer- like fervity yeah, about anti-Semitism, yeah. and offering like, it as kind of an even-handed yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. Well, well, it's also to say like, well, I mean, this is why Israel has to do what it has to do because obviously there are anti-Semites in the world. Instead of seeing it as like, wait, maybe Israel is the one of the biggest perpetrators of anti-Semitism in the world. Right. Like instead of seeing it like that, and dude, it's just I had to walk back upstairs because I was just like. <laughs> This is just like, like I did the Abe Simpson shit. I came downstairs and walked back up because I was just like, this is, hey, dude, I don't want listeners to think that like, dude, I don't want listeners to think that like, obviously, right? Like there's a history of anti-Semitism. We talked about it on the show, I think, right? But like, I don't think it's up to us, right? Especially as Gentiles, right? But I don't think it's up to us, right? To relitigate that and to discuss that from, especially when we're discussing like 30,000 people fucking dead, dude. Because what it does is that you seem like you're, you're absolving, right? the occupier, the oppressor of any responsibility in this. Yeah. You know? What you're saying is, yeah, that, well, uh, the, yeah, the Palestinian, you're, you're, you're tacitly suggesting the Palestinians had something to do with the oppression of Jewish people over yes. thousands of years. Dude, or whatever. And they have, and they have it coming, you know, and they have yeah. it coming, you know, it's and, just yeah, like, they, it's they, just they sort of serve as a surrogate for everybody that ever, yeah. Uh, subjugated and murdered and, you know, I, I've, absolutely. and, I have honestly been kind of stunned at the complete surrender to the conditions, to the to the surrender mm-hmm. to, to a kind of like fatalism or nihilism about it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I feel like a large part of the world sees this "quote unquote" conflict as an intractable one with no solutions. You know what I'm saying? Because like every step you take in any direction, you're immediately at an impasse. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah, rhetorically. And, yeah, and I do genuinely think that this is also the case for climate change. I think that like people can reason out in abstract terms the solutions to this, but the path for getting there is so difficult. And probably littered with a lot of dead bodies and bad and hard and difficult choices that that also becomes an intractable thing. I also think that is the case for our political system. I think it's why you are seeing on the pages of all on all the opinion pages of all the major newspapers this like very, you know, doomer atmosphere taking hold like this very doom like they're all become it's, apoco- it's apocalyptic i saw fucking me and brzezinski today on msnbc said and next we're gonna have a guest up that talks about what if biden loses next year <laughs> i've never heard this shit a, i've never heard this shit before it's, talk. it's it, it is across the board and it is just a whole fucking array of intractable problems with no solutions because honestly the solutions for all of them are the abolition of capitalism. Like, that's easy to say, right? But it's like, how do you yeah. get there? Like, there's just no way to do it. And it's no, there's no way to do it for these people because they have a vested interest in it. Like, I've been thinking a lot about that movie Stalker, right? Like, Tarkovsky. 
Tarkovsky. Yeah. Okay, okay. And no. like the per- the Stragatsky brothers adaptation of Roadside Picnic. Yeah, right? I've never read. Ro- yeah, which is a great short story. Actually. I've never read Roadside Picnic, really but the gist of Stalker. This is my interpretation of it, anyways. Is that you can take an intellectual and lead them up to the very abyss to the very logical conclusion of all of the world's problems and all of their own internal wrestle like wranglings all of their own internal conflicts over the meaning of life and the reordering of the world in a way that would like make everybody you know resources abundant make everybody happy and fulfilled you can lead them up to the very edge that's what this that's what the premise of the movie is these intellectuals hire the stalker to take them to this zone, right? The zone. The reason that the intellectuals will not fully go all the way is because doing that would require them, it would require the abolition of their own position in society. If you actually yeah. solved any of these problems, then you have no intellectual left. There's no, there's no yeah, one right. to then sit around and say pontificate about the world's problems. Exactly. It's almost like a death of, it's almost like a death of the self, but not of the real self, right? It's of the the false self that the world, yes. or I mean, you yourself of the world has kind of created and propped up to make you feel like a worthwhile human being. And in order to walk into that zone or to walk in Area X, you it's like you actually have to have like. And almost an absolution or a shedding or a rebirth. Like, obviously, yeah. honestly becoming like the new flesh almost. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you can't do it. No one can do it. Wait, so that does that mean that they don't know? I mean, they don't know them, their true selves or they don't have. A, I mean, it's sad, it's sad to say they don't have a true self. But when I look at somebody like Blinken or like fucking Josh Kirby, I just can't. Or John Kirby, whatever his name is. I just, it's just hard to imagine that. I know that guy goes home to a family. But like. You know what I mean? It's hard to imagine that person as a person stripped down without any of this, like, you know what I mean? This liberal bourgeois prestige or meritocracy. Like, who are these people? Uh And I guess they're really just husks of human beings. I guess when you pale it down, they're not really anything at all, you know? Well, I I guess... I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, he goes home to a family, a family of millions of larvae. (laughs) (laughs) Walks to the door and unzips his human suit and just becomes... And just squirms just into the twenty thousand, yeah, just twenty thousand fucking <laughs> cockroaches riding. in a fucking human suit. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, th- I just think the intractable nature of these things is kind of becoming more and more apparent to the intellectual elite. Like, for example, let me give you a, an example from the New York Times. This is from a writer I like, and and he's not saying this. You know, I, he is a bourgeois uh, commentator. He's not a Marxist or anything, but I do generally like him. Um, <clears throat> and he's not saying this is something to necessarily uh, surrender to or to, at the same time, to he's, critique. He's not being doomerish like yeah, this. But he actually might be being a little doomerish. In fact, I kind of think that it's David Wallace Wells, right? And I kind of think that he, I have, I've watched him over the course of his career, and I, he has kind of straddled the line of doomerism at times because... I mean, get, did he well, come up with that he, article? He wrote the quintessential Doomer article. Right. Yeah, yeah he did, yeah. yeah. Which is like, yeah. you know, again, if you want to read that as a Doomer thing, that's fine. I don't know if he meant it that way. And I don't even think I don't even necessarily think he means this article that way. But I do think that it is a problem for him that is not necessarily have a quickly identifiable solution. This is the problem. 
the headline is missing profits may be a problem for the green transition uh missing why did i think profits is like in the prophet muhammad okay is it profits like (laughs) that is also a problem yes (laughs) we we are short on on both Uh uh-huh uh i'll just start i'm not gonna read the entire thing but he's he talks about how like 2022 may have been the peak of global carbon emissions he's not saying that is a good thing um he says it marks the highest point ever reached, and in what is not exactly a coincidence, the world's largest oil and gas companies are these days almost printing cash. In 2022, the global oil and gas industry earned nearly $4 trillion, two to three times as much as profit as they'd made in previous years. That revenue would make the industry, if it were a country, the world's fifth largest economy. So can we nuke ExxonMobil then, bro? <laughs> like, can we actually, like, we go most to certainly war can. With, these, with these companies? Like, this is insane, dude. I mean, <coughs> just today, Al Gore had a tweet. The oil industry is kicking off 2024 by spending millions to undermine global progress on the climate crisis. Far from being part of the solution, as they claimed at COP28, they are aggressively working to prevent any transition away from fossil fuels. Um... The point that David Wallace Wells is making, and that I think that Al Gore is going to have to come to grips with too eventually, is that <laughs> while you know renewable energy does have far lower costs than fossil fuels. For example, like if you want to drill a gas well, I think it takes like three million gallons of water to drill a single fucking well, something like that, right? <laughs> That's insane. So you just end up spending more energy than the energy you even get. At this point, we are literally sinking more carbon into extracting carbon. So then we are burning it. So like, so there is lower costs associated with green energy. However, here's the big thing: there's also lower profits, which means that there can be probably no private sector-led transition. Because there's just no money. There's in no it. money in it, or at least not as big of profit mar- margins as there was in fossil fuels. And I have to ask each of you here, knowing what you know about the the commentary, the intellect intelligentsia. I mean, do you think that that like, do you think that they're going to say, okay, well, then that means we have to do socialism, or com- we have to get rid of the profit motive? No, they will literally they will literally they'll literally be sitting there and their fingers will be like moving to type out those words. And they'll be like, no, and they'll open up the drawer and reach for the gun instead and shoot themselves, dog. Like, that's yeah, yeah, <laughs> too much. Yeah, no, 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 no. They can't, can't, can't. Dude, like, it, it just I mean, like, what is it, man? Because I, it's been feeling like for the past couple of years, especially since COVID, that and the word doesn't have to be socialism. I mean, it could be I mean, just this. This this idea of like using the productive capacities of society, right, to like do good for yeah. people using the state. I mean, like, I mean, it's almost like these people are just like, I mean, I don't even know, man. Like, 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 even that they're like, there's a police. I mean, I guess that's why kill the policeman in your head, right? Like, I, I don't know if there's like a, a list of words that they can't use that they have hung up, they have hung over in their bedroom that they're looking at, like can't use these words or these phrases. I'm sure the New York Times and other outlets have these words that you can't use, but I mean, like, or even ideological barriers that are not explicit. But it's just like, I mean, it is literally like, I don't know, man. It's just like the switch goes off, dude. You know. It's just like a switch goes well, off, I, man. I, Where they're enable, incapable. It's something I've wondered about because, like, ever since I read 
I mean, I love Kim, Kim Stanley Robinson, right? But, like, I do feel like sometimes he's a little too rose-colored glasses. Like, I do think that he... I think that he envisions the coming transition in away from fossil fuels as something that will be led by a block of private capital. Like his book, like, like also like his book, kind of, not sorry because you love terms, but it reminds me of his book, Ministry of the Future, where it's going to be like this, still in the vein of the neoliberal order, right? There's going to be a, a democratic collective, which I mean, there should be, but... That's not just going to happen because these groups decide to get together and do it. You know what well, I mean? Well, I, I, again, I, I love, I love the guy. I've read a lot of me his too. books, um, and I do think that, like, if you're trying to like game out like what this would look like, then you have to have imagination and you have to have the courage to actually engage with that. But I also am in thinking about an interview I heard him do maybe like six or seven years ago, where he talked about like, oh, a lot of these capitalists are uninteresting and boring however elon musk is not one of them and it's like and it's like i kind of now understand like i feel like that statement is the sort of uh that statement is the key to unlocking like how he views how this might happen and how i think a lot of these uh, intelligentsia think that this would happen which is that they see that transition being a interclass conflict between within the capitalist class and that you will have some good capitalists peel off and align themselves with the forces of, you know, let's just call it the environmental left or in the global working class and whatever. And I just team humanity yeah, and humanity team save humanity. And I just don't see any, I mean, granted, like maybe I, I guess, you know, you do see a few like errors of billionaires, like saying like, Oh, well, you know, here's, we'll give, you know, a couple million dollars to the, the resistance or whatever but like they're few and far between and they're heirs they're not the actual people who like own the means of production necessarily well the soviets tried that with army hammer's grandfather if you recall and well we see what that did to our matinee idol and then yeah his grandson <laughs> became like a cannibal <laughs> became a cannibal movie star cannibal fetish guy you, you know what i was thinking of terrence i was thinking of uh in the uh star trek discovery which uh i've never watched that completed that show it's fucking terrible but uh it's like it's the new star trek and it they have like in one of their second seasons or some shit they have a reference to elon musk oh yeah you know, yeah, where yeah they put him they put him they put him yeah. in league with like the Wright brothers yeah. and shit like that and then there's an elon musk high school and i mean <laughs> this is like a show done by like not even just liberals these are like progressives these are the people that take that oh like rod g uh, uh gene roddenberry was uh inspired by a uh, socialism of the communi- of the Chinese variety apparently is what his ex-wife had said right I'm not saying he wasn't like a like leftist but it's still like I don't know man it, it seems to I don't know what to say but it seems to almost work in the absence of struggle yeah. you know or like like as if there's gonna be an intro and I'm not I'm not saying that the ruling class doesn't beef all the time sure but if we're talking about like the future of the human race I'm not sure that there are people on the board of Exxon Mobil who are like, you know what, actually, we really should, like, genuinely, sincerely go into renewable energies, right? Right. Like, they're not having those fucking conversations. Like, it's going to be a struggle between classes, you know what I'm saying? And between groups of the working class as well, right? And you know what I mean? But I think mostly the ruling class will be on board, you know what I mean? I think, and the big reason why is because why would they? It's not even that they're bad people. I mean, they are, but it's... Is mostly because they look at the ledger books and they say like, oh, the profit, the rate of profit will go down if we switch to renewables. Like, why would we do that? I mean, I don't know if this is a facile example, but it's the same reason why you get up to go to work. Right. right. In a capitalist society is because like 
that mode of production is the only way that you secure a livelihood for yourself. I'm not saying that these people need billions of dollars to do so, but in their minds, they do. You know well, and I mean? also, yes, you're exactly right. And it also is the reason the world is ordered the way it is. It's the if if yeah. as an industry, it's the fifth largest economy in the fucking world. <laughs> I mean, it's like insane, it's a bedrock. Dude. It's the backbone of the world system. And uh, I don't know. I just it's almost inconceivable to me to think that like people within that system would say, which it will happen. There will be individual people who say like, okay. Yes, this is a death cult. They're trying to kill the entire world and take us with it. But uh, I don't think that that necessarily means that they will then turn to the left and say, this is the way forward, right? No, they might be some weird, they might like make some weird fucking right-wing, libertarian, eco-fascist shit instead. Like, I don't fucking that, know. Or it might just be completely apolitical, you know what I mean? Is that why we're going to the moon again? Because, like, isn't there, aren't they launching another fuck? I saw a thing, by the way. Yeah. I think uh, someone sent this to me. I think it was a uh, uh, friend of the show, Cosby Hayes, shout out. He sent me this article that was pretty funny. Um, American company's spacecraft malfunctions on its way to the moon. <laughs> it's uh, Wait, is, is this the company that was carrying human remains that indigenous groups were speaking out against because they were like, wait, you can't, you can't bury people on the moon? I didn't hear about that. Really? Yeah, dude, there was yeah, there was this private space company using NASA and using a NASA lander that was for some fucking reason because you just have money to do this shit. They were bringing um human remains to the moon, and I forget what tribe it was, but this tribe was like, "Yo, you can't do that." And that was actually the big story, but for some reason I saw it on one of those like that was one of those uh, uh big accounts that post science news, but the real story was the fact that you had this indigenous group that was like, "You can't do that." And um they're like, "Yo, we don't give a fuck. Like, who are you, you know?" Uh, listen, I, in 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 terms of just pure bad juju, I don't know that it's good to bury stuff on the moon. <laughs> no, I think there's just no. I mean, I believe in you know when the moon turns to blood and stuff like that. I just I don't want to hasten any of that. I, I also feel like the moon itself is already a huge graveyard without bodies mm. it just feels like you just gonna let you're just gonna like awaken the moon ghost bro like don't do it man i yeah. i think you know, cosby sent this to me as further proof of what we were talking about on the patreon which is that like we can't even really innovate our we can't even innovate like atmospheric travel and space travel anymore innovate our way off this goddamn planet yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a once again it's a surrender to like the realism it's like everybody wants off the fucking rock but at the same time, we can't get off. But at the same time, we can't solve the problems that make it so fucking miserable to live here. So it's like, you know, it's just like this weird, like, realism that's set in. Like, this cynicism that's set in. Like, no one has any kind of imagination to to envision a different way. But too many people hate the fucking left and, like, what it represents. And, like, oh, my God, communization of private property and getting rid of the profit motive. Like, two things... The two motherfucking yeah. things that would solve <laughs> Israel-Palestine, the climate crisis, the political system in the United States. I mean, granted, those things come with their own contradictions, but good fucking Lord. Yo, yo, dude, you just brought up a really good point, man. Like, you said something about the left, and I don't mean to make this about us, right? Like, oh, what was the left, you know? But, like, I don't know, man. You know how, you know how an, animating, uh, an animating feature of the right is just owning the libs? Mm-hmm. It seems like an animating feature of liberals is not necessarily sure owning the left, but just not 
not exceeding to the left, right? Not having to say that the left is right or not have, not going to say the left, but just, I mean, all these things, you know, yourself, you yourself are true as a liberal, the logical conclusion of your ideas. Like I, like I mentioned, I think on a Patreon a couple weeks ago, my friend, when I went yeah. to New York, who's a democratic operative who said, I'm going to make you feel bad because I feel ashamed of being a Democrat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, I don't know, man. It's like, it's like they wanted. I mean, I don't know. I, they hate that we're the adults in the room. I don't know how to put it, but it's just like they they don't want to they don't want to uh, like give any inch at all to the left. Well, right? I think that yeah. this is the thing. It's like early on after October seventh, like in in November, I was still under the delusional assumption that like with enough pressure, we could get the United States government to put more pressure on Israel to actually stop this. To you know what I'm saying? Like I was still under this. Yeah. What I didn't realize is that, like, the United States is pot committed to this for all kinds of reasons. Um, but the probably the main the main reason is that it has to uphold that sort of like global system because it can't envision any alternative. It would rather cede that to the forces of the right. Israel represents that. Israel presents a good enough vision for what the world could look like. Rather than uh, once again God. communizing private property, opening up land, getting rid of the profit motive, what Israel is presenting is good enough. That'll fucking work. Let's go with that. Because now, again, these problems are intractable. There is apparently no solution to any of them. So, so what we need to do is build walls and have the walls surveilled by auto turrets that shoot at anything that moves. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just restriction yeah, like it's of mobility. Game. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's restriction of mobility, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh man, that that tweet killed me. Uh, Lehav Harkov, Jews are on trial again for wanting to exist. Blood levels are rampant. Someone point. Is this about the tunnels? <laughs> <laughs> the tun. I do the tunnels. I I don't even know anything about it. It's like is he like saying, uh, yeah, we're having to justify our tunnels again. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I just feel like you should ask everybody that said shit like that is like, how many more people need to die? You know what I mean? I mean, I, I think them, especially it's when it's two the, million. I, dude, well, it's like, especially when I think about the people that say that, oh, well, you know, uh, if you don't vote for Biden next year and da 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 da, I'm like, what number of, like, how, how many, how many Palestinian deaths would it take for you to be like, okay, this is like, you know what I mean? Like, I can understand. I just don't get it, man. I don't. I mean, I get it. Guess they for them. The number is limitless. Right. Oh. It's unlimited. Right. Yeah. Right. Palestinians are inconvenient. Right. To achieving whatever bullshit non aims that they have. You know? Yeah. All right. Like, you don't even have a project, bro. <laughs> you tell me I should accept all this death and destruction and you don't even have an ideological project. You yeah. You can't even articulate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like why I should accept this. This is insane. Yeah. Like, I, I was thinking about this the other day, bro. Like, you know what would, like, you know what would, like, get Trump? Like, he would win. Like, I mean, I don't know, man. He'd probably win either way. But I feel like he would win the landslide, especially if he started talking about the future. You know what I mean? Like, not the way he did it in 2020, where he talked about, like, oh, it's going to be the end of the world. But actually, he started talking about what... I mean, I'm not giving the right any points right now, as if I want them to win. But, I mean, it's just such a contrast to what the Democrats have. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Where it's like... There's there's a discussion about preserving this democracy, but never what's beyond that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like someone pointed out. I thought this is a great point. 
at Nemanja YVR talking about that tweet I just mentioned. It's incredible how exactly Israeli rhetoric mirrors Serbian rhetoric from the 90s down to the smallest detail. The same pathetic lies and evasions, the same appeals to nationalist victimology, the same invocation of pseudo-history. I mean, that's the thing. It's like we've all planted our spades in the soil, and it's like history does not happen uh, going forward. We are all standing athwart history yelling stop. It's like every vision of the future involves a looking back at the past. It's like, I don't know. Uh I don't know. I know this is probably you know we're probably going to close out, and I know this is a uh, this is uh, I don't want to run get too far away from it, but I don't know. I've just been also thinking about like I don't whenever whenever shit like this like I think about stuff like this. I also think about culture and how it factors in, and it's like I was thinking about this this uh, deluge of reboots and remakes, right? Where like like these companies can't even establish their IPs like in a future timeline, right? We always have to go back to a prequel, how this an origin story of how this character started. Right. I think the only movie I saw recently coming out that's not doing that in 2024 is the new Beverly Hills movie, which is like not a prequel of Eddie Murphy as a cop, but him actually as an older man being a cop, right? Which I thought Oh, dude, Yellowstone is like... all fucking flashbacks <laughs> and prequels. Well, dude, it's like we're mired in this like, it's like the same way that these IPs are anchored and loaded and weighted by like their mytho- own mythology yeah. where I don't think that actually, and I know the IPs or the studios are doing this because this stuff is profitable, but I really don't think I really like metaphysically, like I don't think that or ideologically that they can imagine even these IPs, a world in which they can make anything happen. You yeah. know, they can't imagine the future. And we see the same thing with our fucking politics, which is why we're getting Biden versus Trump again, which is why we're getting relitigation of like, you know, settler colonialism for the fucking 1930s. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if any of that makes sense. But. Have you all ever like talked to people that are like kind of like, I don't mean just conspiracy theorists. I mean, like pe- people that have like actually got the QAnon brain disease where there's no the point of no return. Uh-huh. And they'll talk about how like there's like like electrodes on the top of old buildings that used to power trains and stuff like that. (laughs) And like, they're imagining this like sort of steampunk past that like, why do we not have that anymore? Uh And you know, you could see the logical extension of that is like, well, why haven't we been back to the moon since whatever, which is whatever. But yeah, but yeah, just to, to y'all's point, it's like, yeah, we we're like, everybody is sort of, yeah, or there's there are no like true futurists anymore, you know, because everybody's just trying to even the futurists are mining the past to some degree. It feels like. Well, that's honestly this is why, I know we're closing out, and I fucking, you know, I should have like put a finer point in this earlier, but like, this is honestly why I think there's so much resistance to this to the idea and the framework of settler colonialism, because like, it does actually offer a vision of what the future could look like because there's this article in the Atlantic about in the, you know, the ideas section, obviously uh, the curious rise of settler colonialism and turtle. Oh, is it as if as it's a, a term? New term? Yeah, yeah. 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 As if it's a new like, term. as if it's a catchy yeah. new term that the new, all the new kids are using settler colonialism. Yeah. Um, oh, God. And it quotes like, um, you know, I've, we've never had him on the show, but I do, like his work and and uh but it quotes like nick estes um you know and other indigenous leaders in the united states talking about like the potential that the land back movement actually 
uh, has, uh, outside of just being like a hashtag or a meme, if you actually carry it to its logical conclusion, it's like it does have a lot of implications for like what the world could look like if it was ordered a different way. Um, and and I think that like, you know, once again, I think that like the framework of settler colonialism, like because it both offers a critique of the past and a envisioning of the future, it is, I, I, I think, in my personal opinion, a very powerful way to look at things. I think that's why you see so much resistance of it, not just not just in the fucking right wing, the center and the liberals, but even on the left, like Jacobin had a fucking article about how like this was a harmful and deleterious like framework for understanding the world. Because it means white people will die. <laughs> like, what are they, is that what they fucking say? What? Is that what they say? And this is like right here. It's like, you know what I mean? Like Nick says, like other people, um, Melanie Yazzie, who's Navajo, uh, you know, they're t- they're all talking about like this does not mean like white people will die. It's not like <laughs> it's not like that is literally not. <laughs> what what are these days? I do think like okay, not a Nick, not they guess this. You shouldn't do this. But it would be funny if like a land back person was like, actually, you know what? Like you know, like just to fuck around with it. Was like actually, it does be white people. <laughs> white people on the moon. <laughs> white people on the moon, dog. Um. But like you know, I, I again, I think that this is why there's so much pushback against it because like, what it demands of us is that it it means that we be, be absolutely truthful and have integrity and courage about like analyzing the situation in front of us, and that includes the United States, Australia, Israel, whatever. But also, it means that we have a vision of trying to like look, hash out what the future would look like, knowing all of those things. And I think that that is what is so dangerous, why it freaks a lot of people out so much. No, I just can I just put a fine point on this too? Um, um, God, man, since my mom's back, I've been watching a lot of fucking news, yo. But um, I was on CNN today. They were talking at a segment about what comes after the war. And I just think this is like a fine point, right? And it was like this contention between the United States and Israel because they both have, you know, both countries have different ideas about what the outcome looks or... What I gleaned from that discussion segment was that nobody knows what the outcome looks like, you know, Mm -hmm. is that like I think one anchor was saying something like, um, you know, there's been this trend of stopping and restarting. Right. Um, um, Quote a war, but it's not a war. It's, you know, project ethnic cleansing that Israel wants to finish. Right. But I don't know, just sort of even the way they were discussing this with sort of this fatalism and finality, but with also no conclusion. Right. Which is like, obviously, like, you know, a, a, a conclusion on the part of the Palestinians would mean finishing the Nakba, right? Uh-huh. But even Israel itself, right? Like, like what, like, or even the United States, like, remember Biden saying that we're going to build up natural gas infrastructure, right. right? It's like all of these, like, hazy, um, incomplete visions of the or future sinnings, that are mired. of the Congo is what but, no, Yeah, no, yeah. It's just mired in, like, like, we're stuck in the now, in the muck of now, you know what I mean? Yeah. And well, informed by the past, I guess, you know, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, you know, I think I wanted to read that article in the Atlantic, but obviously we're out of time. It's got a lot of uh, good stuff in it to ridicule. But um, I think, though, I don't have to read these articles. You've seen them all. Right. It's like we've seen them all like they've been everywhere. It partially explains why there's a fucking freak out in the academy right now. People using this highfalutin, complicated framework of settler colonialism. It's like, again, I think that, like, 
Settler, the, the critique of settler colonialism is contained within Marxism. And I think that like it is a very, you know, poignant way to understand the world as it's ordered right now. And again, just to belabor the point, you know, and saying that like, you know, this is what could be if you like took all these considerations and like followed them to their logical conclusion, like what we could have instead of this. And um, and it's a, it's like a, it's a pretty uncomplicated avenue too to understanding these things and like building something new. And I think that's why like so many people, even at Jacobin Magazine, have to be like, oh shit, no, that 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 actually looks like fucking something that might make the world make sense. We can't have that. Yeah, exactly, oh, exactly, that. exactly. Furthermore, it would yeah, empower yeah. the people I don't like who have to who use and, pronouns. And oh my god, I can't and, fucking imagine. And, and I need to keep my job so that I can relitigate what working class means once a year. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. As if Eddie was going to read that shit. Be yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's end it there. Um, I uh, we have a Patreon. Please go check us out on Patreon. P a t r e o n dot com slash Trillbilly Workers Party. Um, please go support us. Please pray for the uh, nuclear meltdown of Bill Ackman and his family. Um, <laughs> uh, I just saw a headline: Bill Ackman losing it over plagiarism allegations against wife. Um, is, pla- is plagiarism the new uh, the new cancel culture, man? It is. This is it. As, as, as everybody going to be accused of plagiarism in twenty twenty four? It's like I said, man. We're all going to have to. We're all going to have to come to the inevitable conclusion. We are all one consciousness, brother. We uh-huh. all share uh-huh. one brain. <laughs> Bro, Damn. I've been on that since the first time I dropped acid, brother. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on, I've that, been on that. Oh uh, man, I, I just also think it's just funny that uh, I don't know plagiarism in a year of a. Uh, you know, and it probably another year of a uh, more AI fake ass art. You know what well, I mean? Yeah, play- people are worried about yeah, plagiarism. Plagiarism <laughs> in, a, in an era where all ideas are shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All ideas are shit and filtered through like Chat GPT and stuff. Like, this is the worst era to be a p- plagiarist totally. because you're going to implicate yourself in something dumb. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, shit, all right. Well, thanks for listening. Please go check out the Patreon. We'll talk to you next time. Peace out. Bye. Adios.